0: Chewing. Sure. We're home. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. <laughs> The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. Drew is not with us tonight, but fear not because my other faithful co-host is here with me. He has the swagger of chopper and the bravery of a puffer pig. It's... It's DeVore. Howdy, y'all. Dude, I love the puffer pigs. I'm just saying. (laughs) I, I, <laughs> Me too. I, I forget cool. about them all the time, and then I watch Rebels, and I'm like, the Puffer Pigs are fun. The Puffer Pigs are a lot of fun. Speaking of Rebels, guys, tonight we are going to be starting a four part series in preparation for the Ahsoka series, which is eight weeks away, which is just mind blowing. Um, I'm slightly interested in how that show is going to to turn out. So. We're gonna look at one season of Rebels per episode and speculate about three things, be they big, small, uh, medium sized. We're not, we don't judge by size. Um, being too short, guys. Uh, that might play a role in the Ahsoka series, so we're gonna get into that in just a little bit. But speaking of Ahsoka, Devor, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Rosario Dawson's comments that came out. Uh, did you see these comments that she had? I don't think so. So she essentially said uh that Reb- or excuse me, uh the Ahsoka series is the fifth season of Rebels. Oh that that. Yeah, yeah I saw that. So fandom has speculated about this being true for a while, uh, but we know Rosario Dawson, is, she kind of has a, a, a loose tongue uh, and, and can say things uh, probably before Dave Filoni would want her to. Um, so I wanted to kind of get your impressions on her comments. And as we start this, uh, this new series, looking back at Rebels, your expectations with regards to, to the Ahsoka series.
1: Yeah, so they're interesting comments. I mean, the relationship between this show, the Ahsoka show, that is, and Rebels, I mean, it's something that's been talked about a lot. And in particular, people's feelings about, you know, bringing in the ghost crew into a show that is ostensibly sort of about Ahsoka and the kind of continuation of the Rebels story. It's interesting because, you know, you, you have people sort of talking about you know, the the desire for a rebel sequel and so on and all that. And, and like the thing about it is, and of course, you know, we'll get to this in our kind of journey through the story. The story of the ghost crew really comes to an end at the end of season four. Insofar as you think of rebels as the story of this particular kind of group of people, that story's done by the time you get to the series finale of rebels because you get the whole little epilogue of kind of everybody you know sort of going their separate ways so the only way that you could sort of kind of continue the rebel story is there's really not a con there's no way that you can continue rebels insofar as a continuation of the ghost crew story because that's that's done so the only thing you can continue with would be the kind of lingering threat threads and the big lingering threat of course is where's ezra and it seems like we're going to sort of go in that direction, everything that we've kind of gotten so far between the things that we've actually seen in like trailer material and what different, you know, folks associated with the show, actors and otherwise have said. So I think in some ways the comments do do sort of make sense. I mean, not in the sense of, like, again, if you kind of narrowly define Rebels as, like, it's about the Ghost crew, like, then, you know, in that sense. But, like, in terms of the, the sort of next logical
0: continuation of what you can do with those characters, then yes. Yeah, I kind of look at it, uh, you know, like the, the original trilogy is Han, Luke, and Leia's story, right? And the sequels are not. They are involved in the sequels, but their story more or less is told in the original trilogy. Like, the, the foundation of who they are, their greatest adventures, all of those things are told in the original trilogy. And we have stories with them after that happens, you know. Uh, we've, we've got Luke in Book of Boba Fett. We've got the sequel trilogy. I'm sure we're going to get, you know, we've got even books like Shadow of the Sith and all kinds of different things. But those are more so leading and pushing towards Rey and Kylo's story, Rey and Ben's story. And so I kind of think the same thing. It reminds me a little bit of what I talked about with the the end of uh, Mando season three, where it feels like that was the end of this chapter of the Mandalorian and season four is going to start the new, or the, the first book of the Mandalorian rather. And that season four will start, you know, a, a new fresh story. So for me, it's that same kind of idea of rebels of of this story has been closed and told. Uh, and so we are moving on to that next story, which is going to focus on new aspects. So it's a continuation of these characters, but I think you said it perfectly of of the rebels story is already concluded.
1: Yes. So, yeah. what so we you... so we
0: we are now seeing
1: the last sort of thread, the lingering thread from that being explored. Right. Which is exactly. all set up at the end of Rebels, because the last thing you see in Rebels is Sabine is there and then Ahsoka shows up and they're gonna go on their adventure. So that is now that is picking up logically the sort of next thread of where
0: Rebels itself leaves us. And that's uh, about three weeks away from us discussing, but um <laughs> Uh, three episodes. God, not even three weeks because we only do every other week. So it's going to be a long time till we get to talk about that. But I do want to pick your brain. Once just you and me about: Is there something that you are are particularly one looking forward to with regards to the Ahsoka series? And two, is there kind of a uh, something that you hope that we're going to get from the Ahsoka series or in the Ahsoka series?
1: Uh, I, I think. I I think what I'm probably most eager to find out or to kind of explore in the show is sort of where Ahsoka is at the moment, like in terms of her journey. I mean, we will, of course, touch on this as we talk about, you know, as we go through the seasons and we talk about Ahsoka coming up in, you know, her intersecting with the Rebels gang in Rebels, you know, we we of course get her through Clone Wars as a Jedi and then she ends by leaving the order and then we get to see her you know in Siege of Mandalore and all that going into hiding and then we see her as Fulcrum and then we get her going back with the Ghost crew and the uh, the reunion with Vader and then now you know we have a kind of jump ahead between that and then the next time that we see her and, you know, we, we get her in, you know, with Din Djarin in The Mandalorian. And then again with, you know, connected with Luke in From the Desert Comes a Stranger. And, of course, you know, what we see there just briefly in the comics is like we have seen her make a certain piece with Anakin because she makes the kind of aside comment about Luke being just like his father. So, like, you get this hint of like there's some kind of Reconciliation where like the last time that we saw Ahsoka in the context of Anakin slash Vader It was this dr- deeply kind of traumatic moment Which we will no doubt talk about on the next episode when we talk about season two Uh, and so i'm just I, I'm curious to find out about You know What she is up to now, how does she see herself in relation to the Jedi Order? Because, I mean, the the first time that we see her, you know, in this live-action comics in the kind of, quote-unquote, Mandoverse, she's in an episode titled The Jedi. Now, that, of course, is probably as a function of a label that other people are fixing upon to her, but, like, what is her relationship with that label of Jedi? You know, in the trailer, we get to see a little bit of her, you know, Presumably her speaking with um, Huang, the the Jedi robot, and you know him having that line about perhaps it's time to begin anew. So I'm really just interested to see that in terms of like where she is in her headspace in terms of her particular identity and where what her place is in the galaxy.
0: Well, in the the Jedi episode is interesting to me because a lot of the Mandalorian episodes, the the titles have multiple meanings or they they touch on multiple things you know and it doesn't with that one like the the jedi is ahsoka and yes you have the whole what's her view of of being a jedi uh, versus you know the label that other people put on to her so i think that's going to be a really interesting thing to to learn about her and i forgot about huang and and that's going to be an interesting aspect of the story and Particularly, why is she going there? You know, because she she has her lightsabers at this time. So what is the thing that brings her there? Because that's really the only capacity that we've seen uh, his character brought into the story. The thing for me that I love about every time we get new Ahsoka stories is there's always something you don't expect to come out of it. When we finish with her in Clone Wars, you get her walking away from the order at season five. And that is just, you know, absolutely mind blowing because for years people had talked about, oh, Ahsoka's going to die. When is Ahsoka going to die? And she doesn't. And she makes this radical uh, galaxy shattering uh, choice. And of course, you know, we get her in season seven of the Clone Wars, but that's after we've had rebels and we're left with this other uh, cliffhanger of where is she going? And then we get to the Mandalorian timeline and she can train Grogu, but chooses not to. And that's not what we would expect out of of a Jedi character. They've always said, I mean, Yoda was against anybody training Anakin, but Yoda was never going to train Anakin, right? He was never going to be his direct master. And so there's a difference there to me in Ahsoka is, is... denying the option of actually training this youngling in Grogu. So I think Dave is not going to tell a story just because he wants to have a live-action Ahsoka. Uh, I I think he is a, a more disciplined and mature storyteller than that in a lot of aspects. I think he's definitely enjoying probably the surreal feeling of, oh my god, this animated character that I you know dealt with for... Uh, six seasons and she's not really in, in season six of clone wars is like in front of me. And I have this amazing actri- actress in Rosario Dawson, bringing her to life and somebody who cares so deeply for this character, like I do. And it's just, it's leads me to, th- to believe that there is, they're, they're not telling this story just because they can, they're telling this story because it's critical to understanding Ahsoka's story and understanding the future of whatever we're going to get in the Mandoverse, because like I said, with season three of of Mandalorian, we're left with a closed book and, and the season or excuse me, the series could end there and it would be a satisfying ending uh, in a lot of ways, but we know we're getting more so. And we know we're getting the filoni movie and there's no way he doesn't bring live action ahsoka to the big screen so there's so many factors to just consider when we are talking about ahsoka in in particular but if you're ready i'm ready to talk some season one of rebels yeah let's do it all right so we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we are going to delve into season one of rebels and talk about some things that might have an influence on the ahsoka series Something's coming, something dark. I sense it. This is a new beginning, for some, war. For others, it's been a while. Things have changed. I started hearing whispers about Thrawn's return. Heir to the Empire. We have to prepare for the worst. The Jedi fell a long time ago. There aren't many left. It is time to begin again. Alright guys, we are back. And as I said before, we are getting into Season 1 of Rebels. So on each episode, uh, we are going to present three things. Uh, Each of us will present three things that we are thinking might be in the Ahsoka series or have an impact on the Ahsoka series or something of that nature. And those are the, the only real rules, is is that uh, unlike our best and butts formats or a, a best or worst list, we're not per- putting these in any particular order. Uh, so these are, are not a ranking of the ones that we think are, are the, gonna be the most important or least important or anything of that nature. Um, I have a couple caveats to my list, but before I get to mine, DeVore, did you have any uh, caveats or rules that you set uh, beyond that for for yourself?
1: No, not really. I was really doing looking over, you know, this season, like the things that happen in the season. Really, it's going to be the same case of the other three seasons. It's just really my main criteria. was thinking about like what are things that are kind of seeded or established in this show or in this particular season that I think will get called back to in one form or another. It could be something that is sort of set up in Rebels and not explore all that much in Rebels or like, you know, like we're going to do here with season one. Like, I think it's going to be some things that are started in season one that built up in subsequent seasons. And then I think are going to kind of be relevant, you know, either as Either sort of contextually, like if you know this stuff, if you're aware of this, it's going to enrich your understanding, or it might even be direct callbacks to particular things that happen in Rebels.
0: I'm kind of uh, the same way, and I, I tried to get ones that weren't too obvious, so I'm not including, like, basic things that we already know are going to be in there and that are blatantly obvious, so I'm not, like, saying, we're going to see the ghost, or uh, Zeb is going to be in the series, or anything like that. I think that's uh, that's a little too obvious. We want to kind of explore uh, the deeper ideas and, and themes and threads, as you said, that uh, are going to be a part of the series, and... Particularly for season one, uh, I am not including the World Between Worlds, which we do technically see in season one. Uh, I think that including the World Between Worlds is a little too obvious, and and we technically don't know about it at this point in the, the series, uh, even though that is where uh, Ezra is at when he gets his Kyber crystal and uh, how they talk to to Yoda through the Force, so... Those are the two big things that I I wanted to mention that I didn't include. And this is going to be this was a harder one to come up with stuff because we don't have uh, Ahsoka particularly until the last minute or two of the season. We only have that one scene with her at the end. So I'm excited to get into this and Devor, I'm going to let you go ahead and start off with uh, one thing you think is going to be in the Ahsoka series. So I'm going to start off, I'm going to go sort of roughly in sort of order as these things happen. And I'm
1: going to actually start with the very first scene in the very first episode of Rebels, the Spark of Rebellion, or Spark of the Rebellion, I think. That is a
0: good place to start things, yes.
1: Yeah, and it is the very first scene of that episode where we are introduced to... The character uh, who is known in this season is simply as the Inquisitor, but then becomes the class of character that is the Inquisitor. So we know already from both trailer material and also pictures that we have gotten from sort of exclusives, I think, from that Empire magazine special that we are getting an Inquisitor character and i mean this is i think one of the most important legacies of star wars rebels for wider canon you know we you get of course the grand inquisitor as the first one then we get subsequent ones with fifth brother and seventh sister yes that is it and you know they're they've been explored in so many other contexts whether it's the vader comics fallen order we're we're getting a book in a couple of weeks that's looking at an inquisitor And now we know that we're going to be seeing this one and and seeing this one potentially in some interesting context because, you know, we don't know exactly the timeline, but at least as much as we can gather, this Inquisitor may be well active in the kind of Mandalorian period that it might not be like a flashback type situation. And so if that's the case, it'll be interesting. What is this this rogue Inquisitor up to now now that the, the Empire has fallen away? You know, there may be some kind of interesting, you know, parallels or dualities that they may want to draw between that and Ahsoka of like, here are these two kind of you know outcasts these two almost kind of uh, you know weird like antiquities of their time of like these orders that have long since passed away and they're still out there doing things and they have to kind of redefine themselves so yeah that is where i would start which is yeah the inquisitor
0: i think it's interesting that we don't really have uh, a solid timeline on when ahsoka takes place because the. The end of Rebels, with that that uh, kind of epilogue-type scene, it's kind of wavy about where exactly in the timeline it happens. We know, I think, we can assume, rather, that it's going to be at least five years after Return of the Jedi because that's where Mandalorian picks up. Uh, but we don't know if it's picking up after Season 3 of Mandalorian. We don't know if it's picking up uh, before or after she meets Luke, any of those things. So... The idea of the Inquisitor is really compelling because there's so many things that they could do with it. Uh, I think a flashback is almost too obvious. And yeah. you'd, you'd have to really convince me why we would need to see Ahsoka facing another Inquisitor because we've seen her face so many already. Uh, we saw it in her novel. You know, She, she gets her lightsaber crystals from the Inquisitor. Uh, if in Rebels, you know, she takes on multiple Inquisitors at the same time. So, you've if you're doing that, and if you're bringing in this character, an int- anytime you're introducing a new character, there needs to be a reason for it. But especially these characters that you've put a lot of importance on um, as they've been developed. You know, we we got them in Rebels, and then they were foundational to uh, the Obi Wan series and and comics, and they've really taken Jedi Survivor and, and stuff, they've taken these characters that originated in animation and really said to us as an audience, when they are on screen, even though they may not be the big bad, they are important and and they are somebody to pay attention to. So that gets me excited about this Inquisitor because, again, you need to pay attention to them, but also I feel like they're going to do something new with the Inquisitor and so uh, redemption almost seems too easy. So I don't know if we'll get that because we got that with uh, Riva in Obi-Wan. But I do like the idea that you have, as you said, these two antiquities of these orders that are, are gone for all intents and purposes. But also we know that most of the Inquisitors, if not all of the Inquisitors, are fallen Jedi. So yes. Ahsoka in a different context is a fallen jedi in that she left the jedi order uh these inquisitors could have stood for the order they could have stood up and tried to keep it going and they chose not to in the same for oka she could have come back and and led people when she met with uh bail organa and decided to be fulcrum she could have gone a different direction and, and tried to do what luke did and restart the jedi order but she chose not to so I almost wonder if there's going to be a sense of empathy there, of I kind of, in a way, understand what you're going through in a way that nobody else can, and not necessarily a shared trauma, but a shared understanding of going through a particular type of trauma that can bring them together in some way. Um, it would be a redemption, but it would be a new kind of redemption.
1: Yeah. I like that. And yeah, I mean, like every, you know, to your point, every time that we've gotten the Inquisitors in Star Wars media, like we found some, you know, new angle to look at them or to do something kind of different with them, whether it is, as you mentioned, Reva in Kenobi or even Trilla in Fallen Order so yeah i i would not be surprised if you know we bring back this character that like, on the one hand like we've gotten so many inquisitors and we've seen them in so many contexts but that there's still opportunity
0: to kind of make this one stand out from all the others yeah because i mean they've done that i think the the inquisitor himself in season one of rebels i was so upset when when the grand inquisitor died because i thought he was a great character um and just to he think, really like, is. oh he's so good and every time I watch back, I'm like, I wish we'd gotten him for two seasons. Like, at least. It would have been great. But what he spawned, you know, by by the interest that he gained and everything. Because if that character falls flat, you don't get all of these other things. So, uh, right. definitely excited for that. The thing that I'm going to, to go with first is kind of a thread that was left un- untied And that is the Ezra-Sabine relationship. We got a lot of hints of of Ezra's romantic interest in Sabine in season one of Rebels. And then that line was was kind of dropped as Ezra became more serious about being a Jedi. Uh, Then we moved to season three and things got a lot more intense with Sabine and learning about her background. And, And they developed... Together, uh, obviously being a part of the the ghost crew, but very much on their own. My thinking is that the time they've had apart from one another uh, may have helped Sabine realize that she has feelings for Ezra. And that kind of he gave her a, a purpose and a reason for her life for a, a portion of her her life rather. And I think that that maybe has developed some motions where she looks back and goes, well, what if we had gone in that direction? And so that might give her that extra motivation to want to go find him. She has the, the motivation, obviously, because they're, they're family in a found family kind of sense. Mm-hmm. But this would be an easy way to get the portion of the audience who haven't watched Rebels invested in the connection between these two characters. Maybe you even have a conflict of would he give up being a Jedi to, to be with me, which is a an idea that has been present throughout Star Wars. And I mean, I honestly think they could go the other direction and just have them together and actually be a healthy relationship in Star Wars, which would be a new thing. Uh, speaking of new things that we could explore, you know, is is an just a it becomes a complete side story and it's not super important to the plot, other than bringing the two of them together and giving them a connection the audience can easily understand uh, without having to go back and watch all of Rebels. So. I thought it was important to mention that for this season in particular, because it is kind of something that was dropped, and I don't know if that was dropped intentionally because Dave would you know wanted to wait until he was able to tell stories with them being older, and rather than this uh, teen romance that you know usually has to end pretty tragically, uh, or if it's something that he just realized, eh, we don't want to go down that road with these two characters. They've got a lot they can give each on their own, which, of course, they absolutely do. So all right. All right. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because that w- that is going to be my second
1: thing from season is one. Is it? Okay, all right. Indeed. Uh, and spe- sp- specifically, I was tying it to a moment, which is the end of the episode Gathering Forces when Sabine gifts Ezra the little family portrait of him for his birthday. Uh, you- you're right that there's like... That it, their relationship is a little bit odd in season one, at least in the context of like where the show goes, you know, further on. Because you've got the whole thing where Ezra is kind of hitting on Sabine, and like she's not really interested in him. And then it goes even to like to the the kind of absurd lengths in the episode Idiots Array, where he's oddly jealous of Lando, who's a forty year old man. Like it's it gets weird at points.
0: A forty year old man but, hitting on a like sixteen year old girl. Yes, it's, yeah. like, it's weird. It, it wasn't great to start with, and it hasn't aged well.
1: Yes, exactly. And yeah, as you mentioned, they sort of drop that angle sort of moving forward. But I think this is a really important moment in this first season because it does sort of solidify that even though within the context of Rebels, they don't go the romantic route route and you know just sort of establish the record i myself personally am not a sabine as or a shipper but i have no problem with people who do that um but you know this is i think an important moment where even though they don't go the romantic route it does establish that these characters do have an important connection and that there is a an at least, I sort of affection or mutual affection there, even if in the show itself it doesn't ultimately manifest in a romantic context, it could still, as you mentioned in in Ahsoka, from the standpoint of they've been apart all these years, and you know they realize that they've had these feelings for each other. That's definitely that's absolutely a route that that the show could ultimately go. But in any case, yeah, it is this really important relationship. And of course, you know, we get to see it, you know, bloom by the end of the show, as we'll talk about in terms of this, the the task that that Ezra kind of gives Sabine in terms of looking after Lothal in his absence. And of course, you know, that is what's sort of motivating. I mean, I think even. You know, uh, Natasha, who's playing Sabine in live action, you know, had these comments like a while back sort of describing Sabine as as feeling that she has this kind of like obligation to Ezra to go out there and find him. So, yeah, I think you get the the seeds of that planted in season one and then it kind of blooms over the rest of the show.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a faith in in each other. And it's kind of one of those things where. You, you have your best friend when you grow up and you go through such a critical period of growth together that you could be separated for decades and get back together with that person and you just pick up right where you left off kind of thing. I think we could absolutely have that with Sabina and Ezra. And the thing that excites me about getting more of them is I, I don't think any of these routes are the wrong way to go. I think you can easily not go the romantic route and just build their connection based on what we have already. And it would be fantastic. And I also think that you could go the romantic route and take their relationship in a new direction. And it would hold a lot of potential for intriguing storytelling in, in Ahsoka and in uh, future storytelling. Cause I, I really think we're going to get more of these characters after the Ahsoka series, if we don't get a season two, but Speaking of Ahsoka, uh, and one of her relationships, non-romantic, that she has in season one is with Hera, who is uh, the the leader of the ghost crew and the contact for Ahsoka, who is Fulcrum in season one. And I think Hera's faith in Ahsoka is going to be very, very important to this series. When we start season one, or, or excuse me, at the end of season one, we find out that Ahsoka... Is Fulcrum, but up until that point, only Hera knows that. And in the episode Out of Darkness, it focuses on these issues Sabina's having with Hera not sharing the identity of Fulcrum. And we get to see this belief that Hera has in the cause and in protecting Ahsoka's identity, and that Hera truly trusts the leadership of the Rebellion, and Ergo trusts Ahsoka because she is one of the leaders who is coordinating things between these different cells. And the rest of the team comes to trust Ahsoka in the same way, but it all begins here with Hera. And then as we move on, we don't get too much of them together. Uh, I don't know if they even share a scene with just the two of them because most of Ahsoka's work is with just Ezra and Kanan. But as we move to the Ahsoka series, there are going to be some serious obstacles that the crew is going to have to face. And I think that at one point or another, Ahsoka is going to need Hera to do some sort of piloting feat or something else that is going to come at a great expense. I don't know. I don't necessarily think that'll be a death. I don't know what that'll look like, but I believe that it'll be a cost that Hera would not be willing to pay if it were someone other than Ahsoka asking it of her. You know, maybe it's something that has to do with Jason uh, getting into something dangerous because we've got to address him uh, at some point in this series. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's sacrificing the ghost in some way. I I really don't know what that's going to look like, but I think whatever it ends up being, it's going to have to be something serious, and I think that Hera is going to go along with it, uh, even if she is trepidatious because of her faith in Ahsoka and her trust that Ahsoka is going to do what is best for Hera's family, for Hera, and for the galaxy as a whole. So that is something that I really look forward to seeing developed. And we got that shot of Ahsoka and Hera standing there in the Empire Magazine, I believe it was, release. So we know we're going to get some stuff of them together. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see how that develops.
1: Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I've never thought about it until you sort of pointed out about how, you know, for the bulk of the time that Ahsoka is in Rebels, you know, we see her primarily having a relationship with... Canaan and Ezra, and then, of course, at the very end of the show, we see her, you know, going on the search for Ezra with Sabine, but the first member of the Ghost crew with whom she really has any sort of relationship is Hera, back when she is undercover as Fulcrum, and so, yeah, like, Hera having that sort of trust in in ahsoka as a source and as a guide and providing this kind of valuable intelligence to the empire yeah is the sort of important foundation and that even though yeah even though the show doesn't really kind of build on that in any sort of meaningful way afterwards like after ahsoka is actually introduced yeah in some ways it like it does sort of establish a thing that
0: i think will become important in this show And I think it's going to go the reverse way, too. Like, I think Ahsoka is going to have to have a lot of faith in Hera because Ahsoka has never really faced Thrawn, if at all. Like, I don't think we've seen anything with Thrawn and Ahsoka together because after season two, Ahsoka only, you know, doesn't come back to a world between worlds, and there's no direct interaction with Thrawn, but Hera does. Hera's had very traumatic experiences with Thrawn. And so maybe there's something too where Ahsoka is going to need Hera more than anybody else in the crew. You know, they've kind of pushed the Sabine Hera connection or excuse me, Sabine and Ahsoka connection. I think those are going to be kind of our our dual protagonists, but I think as much as Hera will trust in Ahsoka, that we're going to see Ahsoka needing to lean on and trust Hera and her leadership and her experience and her knowledge of this particular threat that we know we're getting in the series. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I
1: mean, you know, I, I, I think Hera is going to be a really important asset, exactly from what you were saying. I mean, from the standpoint of her having this kind of familiarity with
0: Thrawn that that Ahsoka doesn't really have. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm really intrigued to see how they bring all of this together, because you're going to have to reunite this crew. You're going to have to introduce Thrawn, and we still don't know to what level they're going to introduce Thrawn. There is a chance that he is not the main threat of the the season or the series, and that he comes in at the end is, is a plausible route that they could go. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance all of those things when we think about the fact that we're, only getting eight episodes of this season. So, all right, man, give me your third thing that you are most uh, interested in seeing develop in the Ahsoka series.
1: So the third one that I pick is... The moment from the episode Path of the Jedi, so this is the episode where Kanan and Ezra go to the temple on Lothal, and they both kind of have their own mutual tests. But I'm thinking of in particular one moment, which is the conversation that Ezra has with Yoda, and they are talking sort of about the Jedi path, and Yoda sort of posing the same question that he will pose to Luke later on, in Empire Strikes Back, about why must you become Jedi? And then Ezra kind of offering this answer about like getting revenge and you know beating down the Empire. And Yoda's like, eh, Are you sure? And then, uh, and then Ezra ultimately coming to the conclusion that like what it means to be a Jedi is about sort of helping people and helping his friends and so on, and you know trying to make the galaxy a better place rather than this pursuit of revenge. And so the reason I kind of zero in on this conversation as I think being relevant to Ahsoka kind of actually goes back to where we started this episode and this conversation about, like, sort of, I think that one of the things that the show itself will explore is uh, Ahsoka's own relationship both to, you know, the Jedi identity, but then also the Jedi, you know, the code, the ethos, the values that they abide by. And how does she sort of you know, how does she sort of balance however she may identify with how she sort of, you know, lives and acts and practice and like that's something that Ezra kind of has to figure out about like what it actually means to, you know, call yourself a Jedi and what does it mean to be sort of part of this, you know, this legacy and sort of carry on the values and the teachings and why is it important that there be Jedi in the galaxy? What is their role and all that? And I think, the Ahsoka show through her own character, I think is going to touch on and explore some of those similar types of ideas.
0: After the fall of the order, we get a development of, like you said, what it means to be a Jedi. And the interpretations are all different. Uh, Ahsoka has one interpretation of it. Luke has an interpretation of it. Ray has an interpretation of it. Uh, You know, Grogu, as we see him develop, I'm sure, will have a a particular relationship with that aspect of himself uh, as we get to more of like a a grown-up Grogu. So it's interesting that we've had all of these different types of Jedi over the the past few years as we've explored more of the Return of the Jedi, or excuse me, post-Return of the Jedi era. So it'll be interesting to see yeah, what ahsoka's relationship with the Jedi is whether she considers herself a Jedi or not, uh, the role that she thinks any particular order would would have in that. And I'm really intrigued to see if that is part of why she is going after Ezra. you know does she think that he could be the one to help Luke start the new order or that he could be the one to help? Find you know children to train or be a part of of helping Grogu understand his powers a little more or is she just doing it because she cares about him you know like it, there's going to be a multitude of reasons to to deal with that but the thing we haven't really seen with Ahsoka yet is her dealing with her relationship to the Jedi Order as you said because in Rebels most of it is her just saying that she's not a jedi. Uh she she doesn't you know help uh, Ezra and Kanan lift the temple. Um she says I am no jedi. She uh has a line in I think it's season 2 where Ezra or Kanan says like uh, it's jedi business and Ahsoka says well then you're more qualified than I am right now or something of that nature. Yeah. Do you lean a particular way with that uh, idea of Ahsoka being a Jedi or not? Like, do you think we're going to get a point in this story where she takes the mantle back up of being a Jedi in a a formal I accept this title kind of way?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Man, it's hard to say. I think... I am inclined to say prob, oh, it's hard. I don't, th- my instinct is to say, I don't think she will. I I, I think she will, all, you know, you get, there's the, you know, I'm, I'm going back again to the trailer. There There's the Huang line about like, perhaps it is time to begin again. And so like, maybe there is this sort of moment where she perhaps sort of, you know, flirts with or considers like, being part of the sort of rebuilding of the jedi order but i don't know i don't think that that is ultimately where she will land now you can cut against that and but then you also think about something like for example her being one of the pieces that appears to ray and rise of skywalker then you're like okay well like like what do you think about that like is that an example of her kind of finding some sort of reconciliation back in i don't know maybe you could read it like that i think my my instinct though is probably leaning towards i don't think so i think that she is going to sort of continue being on this Other path, sort of, I mean, what we would like, you know, if you were to appropriate High Republic terminology, you would call a way seeker, like in the sense of here is somebody who is a servant of the light and sort of follows the light side and the force where she takes wherever, you know, it takes her, but she is not sort of subordinating herself to a kind of institutional order the way that kind of capital J Jedi do.
0: Yeah, I tend to lean in that direction, too, and there, I think this could be a situation where she does essentially what she does with Fulcrum. So in the Ahsoka novel, you've you've read the Ahsoka novel, right? Yes. Okay, all right. So spoilers for the end of the Ahsoka novel uh, to the level which you think it's canon or not anymore after Tales of the Jedi. I'm not getting into that. Uh, she essentially tells Bail Organa You know, I want to fight, but I I can't be on the front lines anymore. That's not—I don't want to be a warrior. So she becomes fulcrum to bring these different groups that will fight and are willing to to do that together. And I think we could have something of that nature with her where she knows she's not the one to reunite the Jedi Order. Maybe we're meeting her in Ahsoka after she's met Luke— And she sees the good in him. She sees uh, his capacity and and his ability to overcome the flaws that Anakin was not able to overcome uh, before his fall. And she decides that, you know, she can help bring together these people who Luke can train. And so we start to get a development of Luke's uh, Jedi Order. And that could be a way of, giving us more about Luke's Jedi Order without having to give us more actual Luke on screen, because I think they're very trepidatious, as they should be, about how they do that. I think the only way we could have Ahsoka retake up the formal mantle of Jedi would be through a scene with Anakin's Force ghost. I think that's the only way for me that I can think of. And of course, Dave Filoni is a much better storyteller than than I could ever be. So he could come up with something great. But the only thing I can think of would be some kind of meeting with Anakin's Force Ghost where he goes like, you don't understand how important you are. You have to be the one to do this. You are the connection between these two eras. Like, You have to teach Luke everything that I couldn't or whatever that might look like that might bring her some peace because i think for her there's a lot of this word comes up again trauma associated with her leaving the jedi order and the level to which that impacted anakin's fall i think there needs to be a reconciliation there between the two characters like you mentioned earlier uh, because she does seem more at peace with anakin in book of boba fett and she definitely does not leave at peace with him uh in the rebel series so we've got to deal with that in some way and i could see that guiding her more to taking up the mantle of jedi but i think she i think like you said she doesn't take it up formally because she wants to show what it means to be a jedi more than tell what it means to be a Jedi. And that's going to be the legacy of Ahsoka. I think that's the same legacy, you know, you get with characters like Qui Gon Jinn um, and these types, these rogue types, these way seekers who are more focused on the the morality of being a Jedi than the code. In the same way we do, we get with uh, an Obi Wan or a Stellan Geos or other characters of that sort. So they got to do something with her being a Jedi, but they also have to do something with my third thing, uh, which is Ezra's being a Jedi and where we're going to meet him at
1: Mm. in
0: this story. Um, because I think that Ezra could have the, the lack of belief in himself and his ability to train the next generation that we see in Kanan in season one, because that is his big arc in, Season one is Kanan really coming to believe in himself as being capable of training the next generation. So, Kanan was still a Padawan when Order 66 happened, right? His training is not complete. And so, when he begins this with Ezra, he is very apprehensive and he even tries to push Ezra off in Rise of the Old Masters onto a different Jedi and for us as the audience you know it's hard to to compare and quantify the the level of training that Kanan had with the training that Ezra had because as we were just kind of talking about what is a Jedi and what it takes to become a Jedi Knight is is a moving target and at, I would say at best, Ezra is just becoming a Jedi Knight formally at the end of the series. I, I think there is an argument to be made that the final arc of Rebels after Kanan's death can be considered his great trial. Um, yeah. Whether that's right or not, uh, whether it's safe to say that or not, given the state of the galaxy during his training, I don't know. Um, but we know with the State of the Galaxy during his training that Ezra doesn't know everything that it means to be a Jedi, if you ever could um, know everything that it means to be a Jedi. And we know Ahsoka is not going to be in the business of training future Jedi, and I think we're still uh, quite a bit off from Luke really opening his Jedi Academy. I think he had like a soft opening with Grogu, and like it didn't work out, and so you know they're they're re repositioning. So Ezra's gonna have to have something to do with that. You can't just ignore the fact that he is a continuation of the uh, the Jedi Order that we got uh, in the prequels. Like he has a direct connection to it. So I mentioned Jason earlier, and I think like this could be a place. Where you bring Jason Sondulla in, uh, because Star Wars loves its master-apprentice relationships, and so like I think you could do it that way. But I think when we get to Ezra, when we finally find him, if if we actually get to spend time with him in the series, there's always the possibility that like finding him is the final scene. It's like okay, well now what are we gonna do with Ezra? But working under the assumption that Ezra is going to have some time. In this series, my mind immediately goes to Luke in the Last Jedi, because Luke had made the difficult choice to remove himself from the galaxy in order to protect those that he cared about, which is very similar to what Ezra did with regards to Thrawn. And Ezra's decision is different because it wasn't a mistake like Luke's was. However, there's like a connection for me between the motivations of them. So all of that is to say I don't think it's a stretch to think that Ezra will have an attitude similar to where we find Luke and where we find Kanan. And because Star Wars rarely leaves its characters in the same place uh, where they were when we left them and then when we picked them up years later. So finding Ezra might just be the first step in this new arc of getting him to believe in himself in the way that, you know, he did for Kanan and Ray does for Luke. Uh, It could be that next step in this bigger, bigger process.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see where, you know, where they go with Ezra. And as you said, like, where do we find him? Because, you know, he's had this kind of big thing happen to him and like he spent... You know, by the time we—if we assume again the that that the show and the search for Ezra is going to happen at roughly Mando time, you know he's been on his own question mark, you know, for a, almost a decade, just somewhere out in the unknowns, and like how, you know, how does that sort of change? A person like it's there's sort of an analogy or kind of parallel there to like with Thrawn and like one of the things that you know you see particularly folks who are fans of Thrawn from the books you know grind their teeth about you know, the the kind of portrayals and the turn of like making Thrawn a more villain type character as opposed to like how he is in some of the books and it's like. I was like, yeah, I can, can kind of understand the concern, but it's also like he, it's been 10 years and the dude lost to a teenager in Space Whales. Like, maybe that changes the person, you know? <laughs> like, like, maybe you kind of go bad at that point. Uh, so, I mean, th- there might be, I'm not saying that like we will find kind of Ezra in a like antagonist or villain stage. I'm not sort of drawing a, a parallel in that way, but just to say that this kind of like massive. Life changing experience may, in a certain similar way, we end up finding Ezra in maybe not the greatest, you know, circumstances or headspace. It may be there is some, you know, work that Sabine, Ahsoka, the other ghost crew members have to do to kind of bring him back in, you know, sort of back to his old self and kind of remind him about. The Jedi and his mission and what he did in the past, much in the same way that Rey in Last Jedi kind of has to remind Luke about, you know, a- about the legend and about what he had done. And like, yes, he was the Luke Skywalker, you know, who turned, you know, whose act had been to the dark side, but it was also Luke Skywalker who turned his father back to the light, like in that similar sort of fashion, like sort of remind him and kind of bring him back. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really eager to see again like you said to the extent that we get Ezra in this show as a like character and explores that because again it's only eight episodes and there's a lot to cram in there in terms of Ahsoka and setting up Thrawn and like we haven't even talked in this episode about like what are they going to do with like Bale and Skull and like those two characters and like how are they going to get weaved in so there's a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it in this you know particular installment of the Ahsoka show in these 8 episodes but yeah you know to the extent that we get him i i'm 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 eager to see where his head's
0: at there's even the possibility that he has lost faith that his friends are going to come find him you know if it's been yeah 10 years that's a a long time to keep faith in something and we've seen characters lose faith in a lot less time you know uh so it, it's it's not a stretch to believe that he will be disgruntled and resentful uh, at the start and we'll have to see, going back to the Ezra-Sabine relationship, like some reconciliation there of him with the this family. You know, he lost one family already. Uh, he gave up his second family and, and I don't think it could be argued he made the wrong choice. Like he... He did what he had to do and he yeah. learned the lesson that Kanan had to you know, teach him. So I don't think he made the wrong choice, but it's one thing to make a choice like that. And in a lot of stories, we and we even in Star Wars, we have those characters make that kind of choice and then they die. And for yeah. Ezra, it's never been that like this isn't a new thing for us. Dave made it pretty clear uh, Ezra's a, a, alive somewhere out there. You know whether we get that story or not. Ezra is alive, and now we're getting that story. So, it it could be a hashtag disgruntled Ezra. Let's start it on Twitter. (laughs) Like we could get that going, (laughs) where we get because I think Ahsoka is going to be the start of the next step. You know, a a new series. Um, I don't think that's going to be its whole purpose, but I think that's where it's going to lead if we truly are only getting this one. Uh, season of it. So that's out there as a, a big possibility. I wanted to pick your brain on this, too, because you brought up yep. Thrawn. Are you familiar? Have you read any of the the Thrawn novels with the, the Chiss Ascendancy? I have not. No, the only canon Thrawn novel I've read is the first one. Okay, so the only good one. Got it. And... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, come for me. Those books are... Oh, they're rough. Anyways... Uh, the Chiss have what they call Skywalkers, which are essentially force sensitive uh, children that they use to help them pilot uh, their ships through hyperspace in the unknown regions. And in those books, the Chiss characters lose their force sensitivity somewhere around like uh, late teenage, early adulthood, you know, 16, 17, 18, or whatever um and there's not really to my recollection an explanation as to why but it does feel like that's been a setup for something for a long time because you don't just casually throw around the, the name Skywalker you know even though it is a lowercase s so if we don't get a disgruntled Ezra I think the other direction we could go that would be equally kind of uh, unexpected and shocking would be to have Ezra already training these Chiss children to use the Force in a more formal way and start this order. And maybe he's doing it under the nose of Thrawn, and so that causes conflict between those two characters. What do you think about that?
1: <sighs> that's interesting. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, like that's one of the other things that people have speculated about. Like, is that like what kind of relationship, if any, will there be between Ezra and Thrawn? You know, is it a situation where you know they go into hyperspace out after Lothal, and then after that they just kind of go their separate ways? Or are they together for an additional time, and then it becomes this—it's this kind of like just long kind of simmering antagonism. I don't know. Like I, I think I'm inclined to say that probably they just go immediate. My instinct is to say that they just kind of go their separate ways, not long after you know they get out of hyperspace or wherever it is, and then Thrawn, you know, Thrawn is doing his thing, and Ezra is doing his other thing. So I don't know. I, I mean if I had to make a prediction where it's going to go, like I'm a feeling that maybe they have not had a whole lot of engagement with one another over that 10 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's definitely a stretch to think that Ezra is training ch- children, but I just, I've always had that in the back of my mind of like, why did they use the name Skywalkers? But as far as their relationship goes, Dave has has made it very clear that Thrawn is a villain, and he considers him in that category. You know, we can all have our own interpretations of that, and that those are all completely, you know, valid as long as they've they you know you look at what's actually happening in the stories and not just you know what you want a character to be. And so I think we have aspects of Thrawn that could be considered. Uh, Not necessarily heroic, but uh, doing some level of good in those Thrawn books that we got. But it would make a lot of sense to me to find Ezra in a a jail cell, you know? And he spent years just in the bowels of Thrawn's prison. uh, And that this victory that we thought was, uh, you know... a a, a swan song a a good farewell and Ezra had won the day actually started this next problem for him much in the way that you know we got with the sequel trilogy with regards to Return of the Jedi like we thought that was the end of the story no that was the end of that story but it created new problems in its own way which is a very hero's journey kind of circular uh storytelling kind of thing Yeah, you're absolutely right that – I mean,
1: Star Wars – that is a feature of Star Wars storytelling, which is that, like, there's – you know, you've got some kind of central conflict, and then you see that play out, and then there's a resolution, but that resolution then kind of ends up setting the stage for the next kind of conflict. So it's – yeah, it's like, you know, you get – Rebels ending on this triumphant note in terms of Thrawn is defeated and Lothal is liberated and, you know, they overthrow the Empire and it's the kind of first salvo in what becomes the, you know, the Galactic Civil War. It's the first kind of major victory there. But then, yeah, like, are we going to, you know, once we get the full story of Ahsoka, are we going to look back and say, like, much like we do, you know, now with Endor in Return of the Jedi, we say, like, yeah, there was a victory there, but then there are these lingering threads that go out from there, and that's actually setting the stage for a new development, and now, like, new people kind of... You know, th- th- there's been the destruction, but like that actually creates a kind of vacuum where other people can kind of now fill it, and now you have the new threat sort of emerges from that. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's clear that they're sort of setting up Thrawn as a sort of major threat, and then, but then there's a sort of question of like, well, how, like, how has he kind of managed to sort of reconstitute himself to be an actual you know, player considering that he's now kind of out of the whole Imperial orbit for, you know,
0: again, a decade or so. And how has he built up his power? Cause I think we're going to find him in a place of great power. I don't yeah. think we're going to find him scrambling for things because you have to establish him right away for new audience members as a major threat. Uh, with like a character like Moff Gideon, for example, you wanted to show him with great power because you're in this time period where you're supposed to there's not supposed to be these big villains. And so you needed to come in and show him as as capable right from the get and threatening right from the get, and they did that very well. And it's kind of the same thing. I know he was a completely new character, and we as as these people who delve deep into the stories know Thrawn and have known Thrawn for Uh, You know, whether it's your 10, 11 years if you started with the Disney stuff, or, uh, you know, almost 30 years going back to Heir to the Empire. So everybody's going to be coming at this character from a different angle. So you've got to kind of give him a fresh starting point here. And I think it makes a lot of sense to put him in a, a position of great power. And then we figure out how he got there, especially considering. The fact that last time we saw him in the timeline, he was the biggest loser. Uh, just how did he get there is, is going to be something that's going to be developed. Uh, whether it's in Ahsoka or not, we'll have to to come and see. I personally think we're not going to see Thrawn defeated in Ahsoka. I think no, is going so. to be the the threat that gets defeated in the Filoni movie uh, when that happens. Whenever Disney's able to actually put out a movie... Um, and pay their writers. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how that comes out. So this has been a lot of fun. Uh, We've got three more episodes like this coming for you. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you decide to rewatch Rebels uh, along with us and share things that you think might be a a part of the Ahsoka series. Uh, We are going to have, like I said, three more episodes, one for each season Uh, going for the next three episodes of clashing sabers so let us know your thoughts on twitter uh, instagram and facebook at clashing sabers and uh devore if they want to hear more of your work and uh some stuff not associated with rebels where can they find you for that Alright, so you can follow me on Twitter at a larger
1: view pod. You can listen to a larger view of the force. You can also listen to Space Swifties, a Star Wars and Taylor Swift podcast that I host with my wife, the one and only McDowell, which you can also you can find wherever you listen to our podcast, and you can also follow on Twitter at space underscore swifties.
0: And uh, if you are somebody who, who likes Ahsoka and like sharing these stories like we all do, then uh, make sure you go over and join our Patreon, uh, because much like Ahsoka, we are trying to to do right by the next generation and share these stories so that they can learn from them and grow from them and become a Jedi in their own sense. So our Patreon all goes to that mission of putting Star Wars books into classrooms across the country. And if uh, you know a teacher... Uh, if you can look up a teacher on your your local school, go on the website and randomly pick one, however you want to do it, uh, go over to ClassroomSabers.net and go to nominate a teacher so we can send them some awesome books to start uh, this next school year. But until then, there is one thing we did forget to mention that might be in the Ahsoka series, and it is actually, it needs to be. Let's just be real. It needs to be in the Ahsoka series and it's Batch Eight. Hi ho. Wouldn't that be just hilarious if we just had like <laughs> Thrawn like starts Batch Eight? It's just like this yes. deepest of deep cuts. Thrawn's like, it's like it's like the Pelion reference at the end of season yes. four where you're like, it's never gonna go anywhere. And he's just like, he he says into his comm, he's just like, Get me batch eight. And the guy's like, Hi ho. <laughs> Hi-ho. God, that would be great.